Hallelujah. So on this class on divine healing, we left last week, last Friday, we started to look at faith. Why? Because Jesus, all through the Bible, we find out that it is through faith that we can receive healing. Amen. Many times Jesus said, let it be done according to my power. No, let it be done according to your faith. We saw that the grace of God, the grace of God, and part of the grace of God is all that God has and that we don't deserve. By his grace, we receive salvation, but it was Ephesians 2, 8, through faith. And by his grace, we also have received healing, but it has to be through faith. So in order to receive healing by grace, through faith, we must understand what faith is. And so we saw yesterday what faith is. Can somebody tell me what faith is? And of course you are a Bible school student, second year. So you know by then better than the first year even. So let's see if you can beat them and tell me a good definition of what faith is. That would... Amen. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things we do not see. My definition was to be totally persuaded of something you could not see, feel in your body, or perceive by your five senses, but you know, and you are persuaded, you know that you know that it is true and real. Amen. We saw that we use faith all, every day. In this Bible school here today, you have faith because you believe in a God that you cannot see, feel, or perceive by your five senses. That is faith. Amen? And we saw that you don't need a huge amount of faith. Even if you have a little faith as a mustard seed, it is enough to receive and get a hold of healing. Amen? And so we studied to look yesterday about, you know, the kind of faith that we need to get healing. Because Jesus said, it's not the amount of faith that is important, but the quality of faith. We looked at oligopistos. What is oligopistos? Little faith. And we saw that Jesus was not talking about quantity, but yes and night, quality. And we saw that little faith is the faith that is weak. And because it's weak, it starts and it quits. It, it gives up very quickly. It doesn't last long. We saw the example of Peter, who had faith, walked on water. But then his faith was weak. And so he gave up halfway. Amen. And then we saw Tosutos. Pistis. And what is Tosutos Pistis? Great faith, which means a strong faith, a tenacious, strong faith. It means that it's a faith that begins and that refuses to quit, refuses to give up. We saw the example of the woman the, that approached an unjust, just judged. And though he didn't feel God or had reward or had any kind of uh, uh, 
He did not have any uh, uh, regard for men or for God. But she had great faith. She had great faith because she approached. She went knowing what belonged to her. And she said, I am not quitting. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not giving up until I get what I asked. And in other words, she was like a bulldog. A bulldog is a dog that has a jaw that locks. If it gets a bone, that jaw bites and doesn't let go. And you can take the bone and the dog will come with and refuse to let go of the bone. That's the kind of faith that that woman had. And Jesus said, you know, he said, he said, the question is, whether God is going to give it to you because your father will revenge you or avenge you or give to you speedily, quickly. But the question is, will the Son of Man find faith on the earth? That kind of faith. Because the problem we see today is that people have faith, but their faith is oligopistos, weak. Amen. They give up. They start and then they say, I prayed for healing. I didn't feel anything. I didn't see anything. And after one day, it's okay. Two days, it's okay. Three days, one week later, I don't feel or see anything. And they give up. I guess I didn't get anything. You see, that's not tosutos pistis. Amen? You understand? And so we've got to learn. And you see in the Bible that all the people that received the healing... All the people that received their healing were people who had faith that was tenacious. You see, every time they had an obstacle, whether it was their strength or whether they saw a closed door or whether there were a crowd in front of them or whatever obstacle were in, in, in front of them, whatever happened, those people who received their healing were people who said, doesn't matter if there is an obstacle I'll jump over. I'll push. And, and you understand? And they, and they were tenacious in their faith where they would not give up even when it was difficult, even when they didn't see any immediate result. They would not give up and quit. Amen? Amen? And so if you want to get your healing or see healing in somebody else, you've got to have that same kind of tenacious faith. You've got to say doesn't matter and understand it's faith because you are willing to believe in something you do not see or feel. But it's tenacious when you are willing to believe you've got it when you don't feel and see anything. However long it takes. It might take one week, one hour, ten seconds, or it might take five months or one year. Are you still willing? Amen. Glory to God. And so, turn with me to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. How, we, we need to find out how to get that kind of faith. How do you walk in that kind of tenacious faith? That kind of tosutos pistis. How do you do that? It's a good question, isn't it? Luke 17. Luke 17. Verse 5, and you know I want to encourage you, once in a while, 
Give me a little smile. <laughs> Once in a while, feel free to say, Amen. Once in a while, can say, Yes. It helps. I like what Dr. Mikal said, Help me help you. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. So Luke chapter 17, verse 5. The disciples said, Jesus, increase our faith or give us more faith. And Jesus answered, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled out by the roots, planted by the seed, will obey. And then interestingly enough, Jesus is talking, you understand, he's teaching about faith. How to walk by faith and do what he did. And, and, and then he started giving them a parable. That's how Jesus started. I love his method of teaching. In order to illustrate, he used illustrations. In, in order to explain, he would use everyday life illustration. He would use people, things. Amen. And he said, how many of you, you know, would have a servant? And he comes back from the field. And you tell him, come on now, sit down. Rest, relax. Don't have to do anything. Just, you know. How many of you, if you had, if you paid many burr for a servant and he came back home, you told him to rest, not do anything? Anybody? No. no. What would you expect your servant to do? To serve? To work. You would say, go to work. It's not over, right? And that's what Jesus said. How many of you have a servant you tell him to, to rest? But verse 8, will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper, gird yourself, serve me till I have eaten and drunk. And afterward, you will eat and drink. And so why is Jesus using that illustration to teach about faith? Because you see, when the disciple asked him to increase their faith, Jesus said, it's not how much. Faith, that is important, but it's what you do with the faith you have. And what Jesus was telling them, in order to have great faith, you don't need a lot of faith. You just need to put that faith to work. Even if it's a little faith, put it to work. Put it to work because it's there to serve you. It's there to do a job in your life. And God, and you know when Jesus said, and when you've done, you done everything you were required just say we are unprofitable servant. What Jesus is saying is putting your faith to work is what God expects of you. That's part of being a believer. A believer has faith and a believer, God is demanding that he puts his faith to work. Amen. Amen. And so we find out here Jesus is telling the, the, the disciple that faith in order to be Great faith, or to be a faith that will produce result, that faith has to be put to work. And I like to say it this way. I see a very great similarity between faith and our physical muscle. You see, your phys I would say your faith is like your spiritual muscle. And, and the truth is, if you know anything about your body and your physical muscle, your muscle, when you were born a baby, you, when your mother gave birth to you and the nurse and the doctor saw you, you know, it didn't matter if you were a boy or a girl. 
the, both of them had the exact same amount of muscle. You see? Enoch was born with the same amount of muscle that I did. Amen? Don't unhook with me. Stay hooked up. Have you heard this before? Is that what it is? No? Okay. Sometimes when people have heard something, they're like, I know it. And they unhook. So stay hooked up. So I'm making here teaching about faith and showing that it's not the amount of faith that you have, but it's the quality of your faith. And in order for your faith to be great faith, it has to be strong faith, not weak. Strong faith. And how do you obtain strong faith? You obtain strong faith like you obtain strong muscle. There is a parallel, a sim similarity between your spiritual muscles, which is your faith, and your physical muscles. When you were born a baby, you were born, we all in this room were born with the exact same amount of muscles. You know, you can look at a body and you know we have the same legs muscle, the same arm muscle, the same amount, the same numbers of muscles. But here is the key. What you do with those muscles, what you do with it will decide if you have strong muscle or weak muscle. Have you ever seen Mr. Bodybuilder? He walks like this. And most people think he's got more muscle than me or Enoch. He doesn't. He's got the same amount of muscle. But what is the difference between Bodybuilder and me? Is you see, Mr. Bo bodybuilder, what did he do? He exercised. He did that five, six, seven, eight hours a day, sometimes 10 hours a day, exercising their muscles, putting pressure on their muscles, putting, you know, until their body cannot go any further. Amen. They pushed and, and put pressure on their muscle, exercise their muscle. Or you could say they put their muscles to work. And you know, it is you who decide what you do with your muscle. I cannot go and say, Brother Dawit, Dawit, could you please exercise for me? Could you go and do some exercise for me so that I'd be strong? I'm amazed how people are. I've got so many times people that go and say, Sister Audrey, would you lay hands on me so I can have your kind of faith? Uh. I cannot. It would, be, it would be like me saying, could you just do some exercise for me so I can be muscled up and strong? You see, you decide. You were given, you were given a certain amount of muscle, Solomon, when you were a baby, and you decide what can then, what you want to do with your muscles. If you want weak muscle or strong muscle, you decide you're the one who chooses and you're the one who's got to do something with it. Nobody else can do it for you. You've got to put your muscle to work. You must exercise them. Amen. Hallelujah. But what happened? What happened if you don't exercise your muscles? Becomes weak. Have you ever gone to the hospital? And you saw a man that wa once was very muscular, very strong, and then all of a sudden he's in the hospital, laid on a bed, and he, has he hasn't been able to walk or do any exercise for a sh maybe a few months. What happened to that muscled up man? 
after he has not been able to move, to walk, to exercise, to do anything for four or five months. He becomes very skinny, very weak. In another word, there is something that happens in his body is called atrophy. It means because his muscles were not exercised, they start atrophying. It means they start to become lean and weak. And so that person once was muscular and strong, then they become weak and they have to, to have the help of somebody to get out of bed and to walk. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that? What happened? He did not exercise his muscles, and his muscles just lost all strength, became weak, and cannot do anything. Well, you know, in the spirit, the same thing happens. In the spirit, the same thing happened. We were, the Bible said, remember I said, your spiritual muscles is just like your physical muscles. You, we all have been given the same measure of faith. Romans 12, 3. We were all given the exact same amount of faith. Halle Malcolm, you were not given great faith. And then Kumeshi, just a little bit of faith. No, you all were given, as you are born again, you were given not a measure of faith, but the measure of faith, which shows that we were all given the same measure. You see, I didn't use one cup for Dawit and then a big big pot for, for Enoch. No, it's all the same amount, the same, amen? We were all given the same amount of faith. And you saw the quality of our faith that we were given didn't, was not different, different. Sometimes people see somebody like Billy Graham or somebody who does great signs and wonders, you know, miracle, John G. Lake or, you know, Smith Wigglesworth. And we said, oh, God has given them a big faith, strong, a, 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 a kind of faith that only they have. But me, I was given, you know, the normal little kind of little bitty faith. No, we were all given the same amount of faith of the same quality. The Bible says your faith that you were given were not deficient. Uh, uh, in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1. How many of you know that Peter did great and mighty things? Peter even walked in the streets and his shadows healed the sick. And we see the faith of Peter and we said, oh, God gave him a special faith. Big, you know, it's a different type of faith. He got, no, no, no. Listen to what Peter says. In 2 Peter chapter 1, 1, he says, Simon Peter. Now he's writing the book. So he said, I'm Simon Peter a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those, he's talking to the saints. He says, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us. Thank you for that one hallelujah. That should make us want to shout. Because when you were born again, you were not given a deficient faith. Different faith than Peter. You were given the like, same precious faith that the apostle Peter. And that, when his faith, what did he do? He healed the sick. It raised people from, you know, being a paralytic, you know, glory to God. And so we, 
If you look at yourself and said, I've got weak, I got deficient faith, it was not. If you at the beginning start to see your faith as being not enough, deficient, or then you'll never do anything. But you've got at the beginning to know that you were given the same faith, the same amount of faith that Peter, Paul, John, and all the disciples. And the same, the same kind of faith, like precious faith that Paul, Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lake, Paul, Peter, John, and etc. But here is the key. It says what you do with that amount of faith, that measure of faith, that like, what you do with that like precious faith will determine whether, what you can do in the kingdom of God. Amen? And so that we have to be the one to put our faith to work. We've got to exercise our spiritual muscles. Amen? Nobody else can do it for you. I cannot lay hand on you and say, have great faith. No. It'd be like me saying, have great muscles. (laughs) I cannot lay hand on somebody for them to have strong muscles. They've got to go to work. In the same way, I cannot lay hand on you, Sinai, for you to have great faith. No, you have been given faith, but you are the one who put it to work. You've got to put work, put your faith to work so that it can become strong. And you decide how strong you want it. Amen? And I like, you see, you've got to start. It's just like a bodybuilder. He does not lift up 200 kilos overnight saying, okay, now I'm going to, you know, no. What does he have to do? He starts by 50, maybe 40, 50, 60. Then he goes to 100, 120. You see, you see how he's got to put his faith to work. It's a, it's a, it's a, a growth, a process. And what if most of the people, why? They, they get hurt or they, spiritually speaking, because they've never put pressure on their faith. They've never believed God for anything. And then cancer knocks at the door. And then they go, I've got to use my faith. And they've never even believed God for a headache. Don't look at me so stern and holy. You know, thank you. But that's true. It would be like me looking at a bodybuilder who is lifting up 200 kilo and says, I was given the same amount of muscle than you. I was given the same kind of muscle than you. I'm going to lift up 200 kilo. <laughs> Won't happen. I get hurt if I try to, to lift. I'll get hurt. And in the spirit, that's what some people get hurt. And they try faithing. They try faith and they go spiritually. And they don't go anywhere. Did I paint the picture correct? Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. So we've got, that is why, you know, I, I, I appreciate Dr. Mikhail because she doesn't just teach you. She challenges you to put your faith to work. She's giving you challenges. Believe God for your finances or believe God, you know, starting to put your faith to work because it's possible to sit here in Bible school. And here and here, and never put exercising your faith muscles. And what happened? You get out of this school with a big head and weak muscles. And what happened? You got a big head and 
weak muscle with a big head and go <laughs> It tips over. That's true. And I remember when I was in Bible school and I was starting to get taught on faith. And I think it was by the grace of God with immediately I started to exercise my spiritual muscle. And it wasn't big at the beginning. I started to believe God for, you know, for a ride to go home because I didn't have a car at the time, or I'd believe God, and then God supernaturally would provide. And it might sound, you know, funny to you, but back where I lived in Tulsa, there was no, no way to get from point A to point Z unless you had a car. You got to know. You know what I'm talking about, Dr. Mikal, right? Amen. And then I would believe God for a coat, for things that I needed. And then I'd believe God for, you know, a money to buy a plane ticket to go on, you know, and, and I started to exercise my muscle to the point where then I was able to exercise for bigger and more. And all of a sudden, believe God for and to see miracles. Exercise my faith to see people getting, you know, blind eyes open and deaf ears open. And you understand. Hallelujah. But if you've never exercised your faith to believe for a pair of socks, how are you going to believe God to see the blind eyes open? Don't look at me so strange. Amen. Hallelujah. So we have God to put our faith to work. That's what James 2.22 says. By works, faith was made perfect. Or you'd say was made mature. It's by works, by exercising your faith, that your faith becomes mature, becomes strong, develops. It's talking here of a spiritual develop, de de development. Amen? Hallelujah. And I know you always have those. I'll say, yes, it's Audrey, yeah. But yet, they're not putting their faith to work. And how do I know? Because there is problem. I mean, it, they don't go from faith to faith. They go from problem to problem and drama and drama and crisis to crisis. And failure to failure. I mean, we have a saying in English is the, the, the proof is in the pudding. The, the proof is in the eating. Do you understand what I mean by that? Let me explain. You know, you can tell me, you know, that's why James says, you can tell me you believe all you want. But I'm going to show you, you're going to show me your faith by what, you know, you say. I'm going to show you my faith by the results, by what I do. Show you that. You understand? Thank you very much. I just heard somebody go, yeah, I know, I know. You don't know anything yet. Come on. And what happens if we don't put our faith to work? What happens if you don't put your spiritual muscles to work? James 2.20. For by faith without work is dead. How much can a dead person accomplish? Nothing. How much can a faith, dead faith can accomplish? Nothing. You know what it means? If you don't put your faith to work, it becomes atrophied like your muscles, they won't produce anything. A, 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 a dead body cannot do anything. A dead faith cannot do anything. And a dead faith is a faith that doesn't do any work, that doesn't exercise itself. Amen? You understand? Glory to God. So, in order to receive healing, we are talking about divine healing. In order to receive healing, we must... Put our faith to work and learn to walk by faith. Second Corinthians 5 7. 
For we walk by faith, not by sight or by our five senses. So that means that number one, in order to exercise our faith, we've got to find out from the word that healings belong to us. Number one, we find out that healing belongs to us. Number two, we understand that that healing is given to us, but it's in the spirit world. So it is invisible. You will not see it or feel it. Number three, you must choose to believe. You must choose to believe that you've received that healing and that it's yours even when you don't feel and see anything. And you must be willing to stand until you see and you feel. That's strong faith. Let me repeat it. Strong faith. Find out what the word of God or what the will of God is concerning healing. You must strong faith know that it knows that it knows that it knows that healing belongs to me. That's faith. Strong faith already know healing belongs to me. Number two, strong faith understand that healing belongs to me, but it's still invisible. Strong faith understand, yeah, I got healing, but I won't see or feel it. Strong faith is willing to believe what it knows instead of what it feels. Strong faith is willing to believe what it knows instead of what it feels. And strong faith is willing to stand and to stand and not give up until you can see and you can feel. Amen. Hallelujah. Strong faith. So that's how you're going, you obtain strong faith. You find and you got to start with small things. And you develop, you put it to work, you put it to work. And the more you exercise your faith, the stronger it will become. The more you can lift up. Amen. Hallelujah. And then now, how do, can we exercise our faith? How can we put it to work? So let's look at what Jesus taught the disciples. How can we put our faith to work? How can we exercise it? Go with me to Mark 11. Of course, you know Mark 11 is a passage about faith. Let's start with verse 22 through, well, 22, 23. Hallelujah. Healing in the area of healing in order to get healed. It's not so much, it's not so much trying to obtain healing from God. It's not so much trying for God to give us healing. Really, you've got to understand that it's really about defending what God has already given to you. You remember what we talked about, the plan of redemption? Healing is now, not something that you look. uh, uh, um, It's something you have to look in the past, knowing it has already been given. So if it has already been given then what does it mean? Who's got it? If God gave us healing, who's got healing? We do. So if we got healing, then 
What are we doing trying to obtain healing again? Now, do you understand what I'm saying? Let me repeat it. If I give you, Solomon, my iPad, I give you my iPad. Who's got the iPad? <laughs> Solomon's got the iPad. So why would you think if Solomon is saying, please give me your iPad, and would ask me to give him my iPad? You would say, no, but you already got it. But that's how people are approaching healing. They're saying, God, give me healing. God, give me healing. Wrong. Why? Because we find that healing has already been given. Amen. Thank you. Do you understand? And so to get healing, we've got to change the mentality of God, give us healing. We've got to understand healing has already been given. So now, you see now, if he's got my iPad, it's not so much. It's not so much as him trying to get the iPad, but now he's in a position where he's trying to defend to keep his iPad. To defend so that nobody can come. The devil doesn't come and take. Do you understand? That is the position that we have to approach. Healing has already been given or granted to us by Jesus Christ. And so now it's not a matter of God, please give me healing. It's a matter of now learning to defend what God has already given. But remember... That healing was given to you, but where is it? In the heavenly places, which is in the spirit world, which is invisible, unseen. Amen. So when Jesus is teaching us not just to obtain, but to defend what is ours. That's the reason why in Mark 11, 22, 23, what did Jesus say? He told them to teach them about faith, have the faith of God or have faith in God. For so whoever speaks to the mountain and commanded to be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believe that whatever he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. And so what is Jesus teaching us? To exercise our faith, the first thing we have to do is exercise our authority to defend what belongs to us, what is ours. Amen? Glory to God. And many people think that it is very strange. Jesus says, whoever speaks to the mountain. How many of you this morning, you are a whoever? Anybody who is a, Hermias, you are a whoever, only you. Salome, you are a whoever. Nobody else is a whoever. You know what a whoever is? It means all of us. Whoever means anybody. You see, what Jesus was saying is, it's not just the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and those called into the ministry that have the right to exercise authority and speak to the to the sickness. That's what a lot of people will teach in the church. They'll say, I have had students coming to me and said, our pastor taught us that he was, that the pastors and those called in the ministry were the only one called to lay hands on the sick and pray for the sick. That's not what Jesus said. Number one, Jesus says, whoever. That's why he said, whoever. Whoever. 
so that we wouldn't think that only the pastor and the evangelist. Whoever speaks to the mountain. Now, what is the mountain? Problems. In this case, sickness, cancer, diabetes, schizophrenia. Anything that has a name and that is in your face telling you, you're not well, it's a mountain. And Jesus says you've got to speak to it. You, you notice he didn't say speak to God about the mountain, which that's what a lot of people do. They pray to God for God to take the sickness. Jesus says you don't do that because God doesn't have your sickness. He's already given it to you. Just like if Solomon has my iPad, I don't have it. He's got it. But what is he doing? He is speaking, he is speaking to what whoever will try to come and rob it from him. Some of you are looking at me strange. That's what Jesus said. He says, whoever speaks, you have got to learn to speak to the, to the sickness, to the cancer, and command it to be removed and cast into the sea. You've got not... That's why Jesus didn't say, go and pray for the sick. He told them, heal the sick. In the Bible, Jesus never said, okay, the disciple, when he called the 12 and the 70s, he never told them to go and pray for the sick. He told them, you heal the sick. What did that involve? Exercising authority. That's why he says, I give you all power and all authority over all the power of the enemy. Why? Because it was the enemy that was holding people into sickness. And what did Jesus do? He would speak to the sickness. Amen. And that's what the disciples were to do, to speak to the sickness and command it to be removed. And that's what Jesus did all in his ministry. When he was, you know, over Peter's mother-in-law, and she had fever, and uh, amen, what did he do? The Bible says that he rebuked the fever. He rebuked. What does this mean? He spoke to it. Fever, go. Amen. When he was in a boat in the midst of a storm, what did he do? Oh, Father, please, would you just move the wind? God, please, Father, move the, the storm. Is that what Jesus did? No. no. What did he do? He spoke to it. He spoke to demons. He spoke to body parts. He spoke to elements. He spoke to a tree. And that means that if we want to do what Jesus did, and if we want to get the same result that Jesus got, then we've got to learn to do what Jesus did. And I'm telling you that I can teach that until I become blue in the face and I still hear people pray to God and ask God to heal them. Say, God, please heal me. God, please remove the cancer. You know what they're telling me? They have not understood how you face sickness. Jesus says, you speak to it. That means that we've got to speak. If you've got a problem with your salome, with your arm, and you have pain with your joints, what do I do? I speak to the joint, and I say, joint, be healed. If it is arthritis, I speak to arthritis. Arthritis, be gone. If you've got a headache, I speak to the headache. Then I speak to the head, and I commend it. I commend not the head to be removed, but the headache. <laughs> 
Amen. Do you understand? So we've got to learn to speak to the sickness. I'll say it again. If we want to see Jesus' result, we've got to use Jesus' methods. And Jesus exercised authority. He spoke to the sickness. He never asked God to heal the person. He never asked God. You see, he knew healing was the Father's will. He knew God had given him all things into his hand. He knew that healing and the power of God was available to heal people. But in order to release the power of God, what did he do? He spoke to the problem. He spoke to the sickness. He exercised authority and the power was released. Come on now. I remember how I've learned this lesson. How I learned this lesson. Amen. Because you exercise your faith, first of all, by exercising your authority. And you have to exercise your authority by faith. Which means that you have, be, you have to be willing to believe. Even though you might not see or feel. You remember what faith is. And I was in India doing a crusade. That was a long time ago in 1994. And I was doing a crusade and there was thousands of people. And they brought to me a woman who was demon possessed. If you know anything about India, they worship millions of idols. And all animals, kind of animals, they like... um, they have a name for their gods. And that woman had worshipped the god snake. And they had built temple to worship the snake. And so she was worshipped. She worshipped. You know the Bible says you become like what you behold. What you worship. And she had worshipped the snake so much that she was demon possessed and she acted like a snake. She became like a snake. And so that woman would twirl on the ground. Her head, you know, her head would spin. Her tongue would come out of her mouth. And she would make sounds coming out of her throat that sounding like the hissing of a snake. And they brought her to me. And so I knew I had authority. And so what did I do? I spoke to the, to the demon. And I said, in Jesus' name, demon, I command you to go. And then what did I do? I looked. And what happened? Nothing. It became worse. She started. And so what did I do? I told you in Jesus' name, come out of the woman. Come out. And that went on for a good 10, 15 minutes. And the more, I, and what happened? I would speak to the demon and I would wait to see and I would, to see a change. To see if she would be now delivered. But it didn't. So I kept on casting the demon again and again. And I, my voice got louder and louder. Can I say something to you? When people cast a demon and they scream, you know what that is? It's a sign of fear. It's a sign that they don't really believe. You know people that scream and become angry? It's a sign of insecurity and fear in them. So what happened? I'm casting the demons and my voice is getting louder and louder. Thinking like the louder I become, the more he's going to be afraid. But I was the one starting. You understand what I'm saying? And, and then my, uh, my movement were becoming more and more frustrated. I almost was flying. And then I, I, I'm casting the demon out of that woman again until I heard the Holy Spirit. Very soft on the inside of me that says, Audrey, how many times are you going to cast the demon out of that woman? 
And so I'm having a conversation with the Holy Spirit, and I'm telling him, when I see that she's free. And then the Holy Spirit says, you are walking by sight and not by faith. He says, you must believe that she's free, not because you can see it, but because you know it. And then, I mean, with a very strong voice, he says, don't you know that with one word in my name, it is enough. The demon has to go. That's why you find out in the Bible that Jesus cast the demon with a word. He never wrestled for hours with the demon. But you know most people that wrestle with demons is because they are afraid or they are led by sight and not by faith. Come on now. And so at that moment, I knew the truth. You see, I had the Holy Ghost. Was, that's why we've got to walk with the Holy Ghost to listen to his directions and not do things in the flesh, but be led by his spirit. And at that moment, I understood. So I told the woman, I said, now, and I've really, I looked at the ladies. I said, look at me in the eyes because you can see demons in people's eyes. One sign that somebody is demon possessed is they refuse to look at you in the eyes. Because they do not, I mean, their eyes go like this. So I said, look at me in the eyes in the name of Jesus. And I said, now you know, demons, that I know the truth. So I'm going to tell you one more time, come out of that woman. And my voice was very low, very soft. But I said, I'm going to tell you one more time, come out of her in Jesus' name. Then what did I do? I left her there and I went to pray for the other people. And I pray for the other, for the other. But you know, the whole time I'm praying for other people, everything in me is wanting to go and look <laughs> and see what's happening with that. Because why? We are, so one, we are so dominated and influenced by what we see and what we feel. But the Holy Ghost was telling me, don't give in. Because if you give in, then you will be influenced by what you see. And so the whole time I'm praying, and there were hundreds of people, so I'm praying for all the other people. And by the end, I kind of forgot. I kind of forgot about that woman. And then the next day, I'm there on the podium with the worship team, and we're worshiping. And all of a sudden, I see that woman right there on the front, worshiping God and looking like an angel, totally free. And there the Holy Ghost taught me. He says, when you exercise authority, you've got to exercise it by faith, knowing that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, that at the name of Jesus, one word is enough. You can speak and then don't be moved by what you see and what you feel. That's faith. Amen. Amen. And so, so when we, ex especially in the ministry of healing, when you pray for the sick, you see, when you pray, whether it is praying for your healing or whether it is praying for somebody else's healing, what you see and what you feel will always try to dominate you. Always try to tell you that you didn't get healed or the person didn't get healed. But remember, you exercise authority by faith. Amen. Here is another example. One time, one time they called me in the hospital to pray for a woman that was to the point of death. All of her organs, inner, intern, internal organs had stopped functioning. Her liver, her kidneys, her you know, uh, stomach and everything. They were keeping her alive with the tubes and with the machine you know, to keep her heart beating. 
and her breathing going. And so I go there with my husband, and her daughter had called me, really, to make sure that she would go to heaven, to make sure that she had a relationship, that she had accepted Jesus. So we go to the hospital, and, you know, she had things in her mouth, so she can't talk. And the truth is, she looks like dead. I mean, they don't, they're not giving her a few hours to, to live. So I'm there coming close to her bed, taking her hand. And so I'm just talking to her, and I said, you know, your daughter sent me. Uh, she wants to know and make sure that you've got Jesus in your heart, that you've given all of your sin, that you've, you've, that you've allowed him to forgive all of your sin. You received him, and, you know, and so on. And so I said, if you, know, if you know that you know that you're going to heaven and that you love Jesus, squeeze my hand. So she just squeezed my hand. And so I just prayed with, for her and with her. And then all of a sudden, I hear myself. Now, I cannot explain. It felt like I was talking, but it felt like it wasn't not me talking. Do you understand what I mean by that? It was like all of a sudden there was a boldness, and I believe it was the gift of faith that kicked in. But I, so all of a sudden, I started to, to speak to her body. And I, and I heard myself say, kidney, I command you to function. Liver, I command you to work. Organ, I command you to function. And in the name of Jesus, from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, I command your body to function. I command a heart, I command you to beat. And I went like this, talking to her body. Then laid my hands on her and I said, and I command and I thank you for the healing anointing of God to go in her body to repair anything the sickness has done. And so I prayed for like that and spoke to her her body. And then what happened? Nothing. She looked just as dead as five minutes before. And so what did I do? I left her, said goodbye, left my husband and I, went back home and just left it. But we never said anything. And then a couple of days later, the daughter calls me. And she said, Audrey, what did you do with my mother? And I'm thinking, oh, what happened? And she said, my mother is sitting in bed She's eating lunch. The doctor don't understand because all of her organs all of a sudden starting to work. So they're doing tests on her, but they decided they were going to let her go back home. But here is the key. You see, when I spoke to her body, if the truth is when I left and I saw that she was looking as dead as before, my, in my thoughts, i thinking, nothing has happened. But I did not say anything. I said, you know, zip the lip like Zechariah. You know, like Ze God had to close Zechariah's mouth and was mute for nine months so that by what he said, he would not stop the miracle. And so you understand. It was not God's judgment or God's anger on him. It was God's mercy. That's a Zechariah less because he was in unbelief, wasn't he? Do you understand Zechariah? The, the father of John the Baptist. And so in order for the miracle to come to pass, God had to shut his mouth so that he would not say anything contrary and that would stop God's miracle and will. And so when I spoke to that lady, and, I, and then, but I didn't see anything, I didn't say anything. I just stayed silent. And then she got totally, you know, she, God raised her out of her bed of sickness. Amen.
And so we see that in the ministry for, to receive healing, we, we don't ask God to give us healing. We don't ask God to, uh, um, you know, to take the sickness off of her or off of people or us, you know. But what we do, we exercise authority and we do it by faith. You speak to the sickness. You speak to the ears. You speak to whatever. And then you command it to be gone from the body. And really, that's exercising authority for the sickness to leave. But then we'll talk about it later. But then you know by the, then you say, but why do we lay hands on the sick? I believe this is how it works. You exercise authority to command the sickness to be cast out, to be removed. By, by, but blah, blah. But by the laying on of hands, we administer anointing that repairs the body that has been damaged to repair and, and heal what the sickness has caused and done in the body. Do you, do you see that? Amen? Hallelujah. So we've got to understand that in healing, don't ask God to heal you. You, ex- you speak to the sickness. Yes, everybody. And you can speak to the sickness, speak to the body. You have that authority just like Jesus did. And that's how you exercise. That's how you, you see people healed. And that's how you get healed. You see, when I was diagnosed with bone cancer, that's what I did. I spoke to my body. You know, you can speak over your body. And I said, tumor, I command you to die. I cursed you. Just like Jesus cursed the fig tree. Amen. By his words, exercising authority, that's how I spoke to the tumor. I spoke to the cancer. I say, cancer, I command you to die. I curse you in my body. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's what we have to learn to do. Amen. That's what we have to learn to do, to exercise authority. That's the reason why Jesus did not tell the disciples to pray for the sick. He told them to heal the sick. Amen. Which meant that they had to go and exercise authority. Amen. And command the sickness to leave people. 